welcome to Hero with a Thousand Potions, a gaming podcast where we investigate niche and popular RPGs, except sometimes we also do what we like to call a side quest, and in this case, we're doing just that. We recently watched the February 9th Nintendo Direct, where they showcased a number of the games coming out in 2022, and we wanted to do a little bit of a reaction to it or our thoughts on it, and we're calling this episode Side Quest Nintendo Hype Train 2022. Now, in this list of games, we are not going to do an extensive rundown of every title, but we're going to do a rundown of the titles that are of specific interest to us and that is highlighting our interest in the Nintendo Switch's library that will be expanding in this year. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts on that? If you're a big fan of RPGs, I think this was the best Nintendo Direct yet. Um, these Nintendo Directs, they come out once every three or four or six months. I forget the frequency. Uh, not all that often, and they kind of give you a review of what to expect in the, in the next several months for releases. And I don't remember so much wonderful RPG news and release dates and teasers and things like that um, from any of the other ones. I, I do watch them all, but but my goodness, this was just a, an RPG heyday, especially if you're uh, more of an older sort of folk, like Nate and I are here. We are in our 30s, and so we like the Super Nintendo eras. We like the PlayStation 1 eras, and a lot of news and games have come out for those console generations in this direct here. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, definitely. I think without the reveals of Smash Brothers characters coming down the wire or Pokemon games that are on the horizon, it kind of freed up the direct to be more filled with games back to back. Usually they they spend a lot of time with those big reveals that they think is going to get a lot of buzz. Um, but as we know, Pokemon Arcurus or Arceus, I don't even know. I don't really play Pokemon all that much. Maybe I've just committed an RPG sin online by saying that. Um, but that just came out, and then we kind of know that Smash Brothers is in its sunset of new content for them, at least for the moment, until they decide that there's a huge cash cow in releasing more characters. They can go back on what they said about it being the last character. I don't think there are enough anime swordsmen in Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's it's basically become like the Fortnite of anime at this point, <laughs> in my opinion. So on the Nintendo website for the recent Direct, they have it broken down by main titles and featured titles. I'll do a quick rundown of the list, and then we will return to the titles that are of particular interest to us. We'll just fly through this quickly. Maybe I'll drop a little note of mild interest while we run through it quick here. Is that cool? Of course. All right. So for the main titles on Nintendo's websites, we have Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. Now on our side quest series, I mentioned that Fire Emblem Three Houses was a pretty uh, big game for me, but... I have the Warrior series Zelda game, and I don't think I'm going to follow up and get this one. It's not of particular interest to me, even though I am a fan of the Fire Emblem series. Next, we have Mario Strikers. I have been a fan of Mario Sports in the past, but in this stage of my life, I don't have time for every little sports game that comes out. I'm wondering if maybe in a few years with my son in the gaming mix, that will change. In the same note, we've got Splatoon 3. I know there are a lot of fans out there looking forward to that, namely my nieces. There's Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which... Uh, 
Tyler, you had you had mentioned it seems like a a Kirby breath like, and <laughs> yeah. I find that title hilarious. Uh, a breath like is, is that because Kirby's principal weapon is his uh, powers of inhalation and exhalation? Well, I think you're equating it to Breath of the Wild and yes. calling it a Breath of the Wild. Uh, I, I, for me, when I just seeing the footage, I got a little bit more of Mario Odyssey because Mario Odyssey is all about changing up Mario, using that hat to change up Mario's abilities and forms and use that to traverse the area. So we'll have to see. I, I know it looks like a big open world, kind of like Breath of the Wild, but we'll see how it plays out. I, again, this may be something a little bit more of interest to the kiddos in the family. I used to play Kirby games, but as my time is more and more precious as an adult, it's kind of fallen out of the circulation. Wii Sports. Uh, we played a lot of that back in the day on the Wii. Big draw for getting the whole family into gaming, but that draw did not stick. Wii Sports was about the only instance of my parents playing a video game with me, mm. aside from maybe Ridge Racer back with my dad when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, I didn't play very many Wii Sports. I did play some bowling. I didn't have a Wii. My friend, hold on. My mom got a Wii, but I had already moved out of the house by then. And it wasn't really relevant uh, to me. I don't really play sports video games. I think the last one I played with any sort of depth would depth would be mm, Mega Man Soccer or <laughs> Backyard Baseball, which was a PC exclusive. Yeah, it's interesting. I really tried to love the Wii. It came out strong, and then we got the mounds of shovelware on the system. So it was really just the Nintendo titles that had me stuck on it. Smash Brothers Brawl have hundreds to thousands of hours on that game so that's cool uh we sports we'll see again that's another one that maybe uh, the the existence of, of an extended family might draw me into that title next we have mario kart 8 dlc i'm kind of interested in this because we did end up picking up the online pass so that means i get all those courses for free with or i should say i got the online plus pass and I'm going to supposedly get all those courses for free. Now, I don't own Mario Kart 8 for Switch. I had it for Wii U. And this is kind of inspiring me to get it for Switch if there's going to be a, loads of new content coming. So that's kind of cool. I mean, I'm into that. It's fun. I can play with my wife and we have a we have a pretty good time there. I mean, we have the online family plan. I don't know if that's the online plus subscription that you're speaking of so maybe we have access to the dlc i don't know and you played nintendo 64 games yes okay then you will be able to play the extra courses oh, hold on no excuse me no i do not have the nintendo 64 library i thought you were asking a general question oh no 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 yeah the the switch online plus plus that offers the nintendo 64 plan and the sega games it also came with dlc for animal crossing that was free mm -hmm. if you're a subscriber so that's why we have it we had the family plan it was roughly the same price as getting that dlc brianna plays animal crossing so ipso fatso that's we got it lastly on the main titles list we have xenoblade chronicles 3 very appropriate for us right now <laughs> in this time at oh, the yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. So the trailer, uh, we'll do a little bit of a deeper dive on this, or at least our thoughts on it. The trailer for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 starts with a young individual playing a flute and some, what I would say, some traditionally more Eastern music than we're used to 
in the Xenoblade series. We were talking the other day on how a lot of the tracks give us a, a Central American um, inspired feeling when listening to the soundtrack of Xenoblade Chronicles 1 as we play through areas. In our recent episode, you talked about your favorite track, the Nighttime Gower Plains, which, again, has more of a Western-inspired sound to it. So, in this, I'm getting more Eastern. In the same vein, the outfits of the characters, they seem like a... I'm seeing more of a eastern school uniform trend among some of the earlier characters in the trailer i'm not really paying attention to a lot of the details of the trailer for fear of spoilers or something that would ruin my xenoblade chronicles one experience so i'm just lightly kind of glazing at it but i do hear the is something along the lines of you're just fuel for them and so that does tie into at least an experience we are having with Xenoblade 1. Mm -hmm. I'm mildly interested in this title and what it means for us playing this series. It really comes down to, are we going to fall in love by the end of Xenoblade 1 so completely that we can't help ourselves but play Xenoblade 2 and 3? What are your thoughts on that, Tyler? Gosh, that is a huge ask right now. We are about one-third the way through um, the original Xenoblade. There's a whole game, Xenoblade 2. Xenoblade 3 just was just released. Um, I can see myself playing these games. Uh, personally, I don't know if we would make an entire season of of play-by-play of -play, blind playthrough content up about it at this point it's just too early to tell there's a there's a whole there's a kaleidoscope of games out there a, a backlog of maybe 40 years of games we could look at and then there's always new ones coming out all the time and it's just too early to say precisely what we might be doing for season two here that's not to say it's i'm ruling it out it's just there's there's a lot to think about in between now and then Definitely. I, I want versatility in our seasons and our content and everything. So I don't want to just be the Xenoblade channel, but like you said, not ruling it out. This was inspired by Xeno Gears, so we are a little bit in that train of thought right now. But mm -hmm. I don't want to necessarily always be on that train of thought of exploring Xeno content. So it's like I said, it's mildly interesting to me. And I have a little bit of a tangent on how I feel about what we've done in Xenoblade so far. And for our listeners, I'm completely welcome to be wrong about this tangent. It's just where I am in the moment. But here it is. So back in the 60s and 70s, there's a genre of music called progressive rock, right? Are you familiar with it, Tyler? Yeah, I should be. So, yes. So I'm we, saying yes. we had. Yes, yes. We have a lot of we have a lot of bands that fall under the progressive rock label. I'm sure people out there have their favorites and they'll say how could you not mention X, you know, but the ones that come to mind for me are King Crimson, Yes, Genesis, things like that, you know. And they they had their heyday in the 60s and 70s and they they made these epic sweeping big <laughs> albums that were concept albums and the songs would be 15 minutes 20 minutes 25 minutes long and all of them would be linked to a central theme and they'd have these bombastic album covers exploring space and uh, different worlds and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff it was like 
it was almost like the RPG of the music, in my opinion. There's there's kind of an intrinsic link, at least in my head, in terms of the depth and mind expansion that comes from engaging in this kind of music, at least for me. So the the analogy I have is that all these guys, they they went hardcore into this genre, and then by after doing it for about 15 years or so, they all burnt out and kind of transitioned to making pop music. So Steve Howe of Yes went on to make Asia, or at least be a member of Asia. The members of King Crimson started making more poppy stuff. Yes made the song Owner of a Lonely Heart. Uh, people like David Bowie became famous for just making you know, poppy radio hits that were a lot more digestible to the public than his earlier works. And if they weren't in a new kind of new wave band, a lot of these guys from the prog era were now producers and label holders and were making a lot of the songs that you were hearing on the radio instead of, um, or I should say, producing the songs you were hearing on the radio instead of making them with the instruments themselves. So this transition from getting really, really deep and thoughtful and then finding that, you know, that's a lot of work. That's crazy. (laughs) And just wanting a little bit simpler of a lifestyle that is more appealing to the general public. A lot of these uh, artists went through that transitionary period. And the same thing kind of happened in the 2000s. There was a resurgence of progressive rock bands like Mars Volta and others that would eventually, after making five, six albums, go on to make more generic music. So, what does this have to do with Xenoblade? I see Xenogears as Tetsuya Takahashi's initial foray into making big, bombastic, concept-driven games, where he's putting in all of his philosophy, all of his beliefs on religions of the world, just all of his references to prominent figures in the world of psychology and things like that. It's just, it's all packed in there. You're always getting hit from a new angle. It's his masterpiece, so to speak. And it didn't really work out like he wanted. He had to cut his second disc. There were other issues. It was his first foray into the technology of 3D gaming so uh, now when he has his own studio monolith soth he's going to create the xeno saga series and that was going to be six games that he was going to explore his his true masterpiece well that ended up getting filtered down to three and the publishers and various uh, entities that were going to get it out to the console market started petering out and things so Finally, Monolith Soft has this partnership with Nintendo. And I think one of the prerequisites for Nintendo was we want a game that's a little bit more mainstream than Xenogears, per se. So I see this right now. What I'm seeing with Xenoblade Chronicles is this might be a little bit more of the 80s pop era for Tetsuya Takahashi. I, that big long rant does that make any sense to you where i'm going with that tyler i I think it does um i I would hazard that if you draw the if you draw on the xeno saga trilogy into the conversation you might say that the xeno series as a as a whole um has been going in 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 a 
in a variety of directions. Of course, we know Xeno we know Xeno Gears quite well, and then Xeno Saga had these had a more sprawling sort of plot with with it went in another experimental direction. It to hang on your analogy, it um, explored another genre. Maybe this one was um, more experimental or focused more on the narrative, even to a fault to to the to the expense of, of gameplay. I've never I've never played one. That's, that's a, sense, a fair assessment. That, yeah. that, that's the sense I got, and then maybe Xeno Blade is kind of marrying the two, um, where okay, we're gonna have my goodness, well, it's, man, that's difficult to say because there's a lot of plot in all of these games, but but uh, we're constantly between Xeno between Gears and Saga and Blade, we're kind of reshaping the formula, shuffling things around, and finding this this um, spot where it has some longevity and, and, and critical uh, praise, you know, let's say, because um, I don't think that was precisely the case for any any of the Xeno games uh, out before uh, Xenoblade 1. That's not to say it's not a cult hit. It's not to say I don't love it, but, but it, mm-hmm. is not, it is not um, celebrated um, on a platform. You might put other games that are... that sort of define the platform that it was released on yeah and when you talk about greatest rpg stories ever written or whatever um nowadays a, a lot of games come up and it's like you almost have to remind people that xeno gears exists you know uh and i would say it's up there it's in the top 10 of rpg stories i've experienced just for how experimental and bombastic and sweeping the original game is so Xenoblade, uh, I celebrate how much player control it has delivered back into my hands and uh, the brevity at which cutscenes deliver their point and their big moments and reveals. It's all great, and I celebrate that in comparison to what I had to deal with playing Saga. Again, I feel like Saga is the, the overindulgence, the celebration of I have my own studio and I can do whatever I want now and I don't know if that was wholly successful and I am seeing success when playing Xenoblade in that same light we will be following Xenoblade Chronicles 3 news very closely and we'll be looking for your feedback too because if any of our listeners are out there thinking okay yeah Xenoblade 1 was great 2 was maybe not so great maybe it is great I have no idea let us know if we're kind of along the correct train of thought, because for us, this is completely new territory. All right, so that wraps up the list of main titles on Nintendo's uh, listing. Next, we have the featured titles. Again, we're going to kind of run through these quickly, taking stops for entries that are of particular interest to us. So first up, we have Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Remake. I never played the Advance Wars games on my Game Boy Advance. I had tons of titles that were already grabbing my interest on the Game Boy Advance, and that was a period of my life where I did not have loads of income. I was still a young teenager, so my selection was based on what is the best possible game I can get for this thing. Maybe Advance Wars was one of those best possible games, and I just didn't know it, but Looking at the footage of this, seeing the level of dedication that's going into this remake, I am pretty intrigued by it. I like tactical RPG-type games, tactical combat games, 
And also, there is, it looks like Way Forward is the one doing the, the remake, and they are a pretty phenomenal studio. So I'm, I'm interested in this. Yeah, uh, I've never played Advance Wars 1 or 2. It's being remade for the Switch now, and but it does look pretty neat. If, if you go online and you look at Game Boy Advance best games of the console list, you, you usually see Advance Wars on it, so it is celebrated by players uh, quite, quite frequently here. Um, on the Switch, I do have a game that I believe is a spiritual successor to it um, called War Groove. It's made by Chucklefish, who brought us Shovel Knight, and, <clears throat> and it has that base-building tactical rpg but a but um kind of but the designs are kind of chibi and and medieval uh, advanced wars is more modern with more modern warfare technology although they're kind of cutesy in designs as well and uh, as i understand it they are they, they are similar in their in their designs um i i've liked war grew i didn't play it very much i don't i don't play very many tactical rpgs in in the base building starcraft sort of sense but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping there's like a demo or something we try out, but either way, we'll look into it a little bit more. Next on the list is Kingdom Hearts. Basically everything. <laughs> all of Kingdom Hearts is... everything. Yes, all of Kingdom Hearts is coming to the Switch if you are willing to stream it to the console. Um, I've looked into this a little bit, and it seems like people are not having the greatest experience on the planet with streaming it. And what does that mean? You can only play it if you're streaming it to the console? Yeah, apparently the hardware of your Switch is not going to be doing the intensive labor of playing the game. There's going to be hardware off-site on a server that is going to be playing the game for you, uh, or running the game for you, and it's streamed via... Your your inputs for your controller are sent to that uh, off-site location, and then they send you the reaction back. Apparently, there's a lot of uh, technology that's been doing this for a little bit now. There's Google Stadia and other devices. I've never really wanted to get into that realm to play my games. I just want to own the games. I want to have them locally, and I want to have the least input lag best frame rate best responsiveness of my game that i can possibly get so personally for me this is not appealing whatsoever i know you have the first time you would have the ability to play it on the go maybe but where am i going to have internet on the go I, i think for me the primary place to play this is either on a console or i guess on pc now because king Hearts came to pc so i'm not i'm not really into trying to get this on the switch if they manage to run the games perfectly on the hardware itself i might be more interested but it is what it is Tyler, do you have any history or interest with the Kingdom Hearts series? Uh, I played the played half of the first one i thought it was pretty interesting uh as far as what I know about the series, the plot is excruciatingly bizarre and unnecessary as it goes on. Um, I might, I don't know. I'm, I might not dig into it. Yeah. I, if you're not, if the initial premise is not hooking you already, I'd say you can go ahead and pass on this one. I've played pretty much all of it, except for Kingdom Hearts three. I watched Brianna play three and it's all it's all great. There's production values up up the wazoo, right? But I you have to really 
you have to be in the mindset of wanting Kingdom Hearts to even enjoy it. I'm thrilled it's coming on the Switch. I, I, I would like all these wonderful franchises to appear on the Switch. Yeah, the Switch should be able to play basically everything except what hardware limitations keep off of it, I guess. All right, next we have Triangle Strategy is coming soon. Early March, just a couple weeks, and there is a demo out. Exciting. Uh, I have played a little bit of the demo, and I have some positives and negatives. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I Positive is the combat is exactly what we're wanting out of it. it we're basically playing Final Fantasy Tactics, and that's great. There's some new mechanics of if you have two characters... Uh, across from each other with an enemy in between them you can wombo combo them it provides some interesting setups for one where you want to put your characters it, it also comes with the drawback of if you've got a mage character that does aoe fire it's kind of if you're in detrimental to group up all your characters around so you got to make that decision of are we gonna tag team this guy or are we gonna keep our distance and let our ranged get at him so uh, new mechanics i'm very interested in i've not yet been able to dive into the uh, decision making morality system that i perceive being present in the game we'll probably do a deeper dive on this later it's probably more content than we have time for here right now but suffice to say in the early chapters i had a chance to make a couple dialogue decisions that apparently gave me what i would call shadow points in one direction or the other so i'm, mm. I'm interested in seeing how that plays out i'm going to play the character like i would if it were me personally um now, my negative is I the script isn't particularly up to my standard when looking at things like Final Fantasy Tactics or Tactics Ogre. It's more in the vein of Octopath Traveler, which is a good game, and it's got a good story, but there's just some excruciating moments with the script and the characters i almost wonder if i can just turn off voice acting i'm going to look into that later because the vocal performances are pretty bland and seem almost like they got the budget option maybe they got these people on fiverr <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but uh i i was not inspired by any of the vocal performances the answer a question here for me tyler the word uh is is the word respite pronounced respite or is it respite it's respite okay yeah so there's a character who in the dialogue there was the the word spelled p-h-e-w and instead of like releasing a breath of air or an oh. exasperated oh, tone no. they literally said few <laughs> and then also <laughs> also said the word respite and i was like okay these these uh i don't know that i'm gonna get the quality in the vocal performance that really draws me in and i, I almost want to just turn it off and do the voices myself in my head uh -huh. you know mm -hmm. so there's a little there's a couple areas of concern like that and just the script itself is a little bland and expository in certain ways i, I feel like 
that's a trend with all Japanese games in general. I, I love Japan. I love the Japanese people. I'm not trying to throw any shade whatsoever, but as games like Final Fantasy XIV are making big bucks by just putting me in 45 minutes of dialogue cutscenes back-to-back at a time, apparently this works. Apparently they're taking cues from visual novels that this is entertainment. For me, I like a tight script. I like subtext. I don't know if we need to make an episode on subtext all on its own, but does that mean anything to you, Tyler? It does. I played the first demo. This is the, the one that came out with the Nintendo Direct is the second demo. And when, yes. I played, when I played the first one, I also noticed that the script was kind of long. And I'm recalling a quote from William Shakespeare that says, Brevity is wit. No, the soul me. of wit. Thank you. Brevity is the soul of wit, which basically means don't waste my time. And yeah. uh, in these elongated cutscenes, they have it's there are geopolitics to get into. There's personal issues. There's betrayal and friendship and romance and 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 this and the scales of the kingdom in the balance sort of discussions. Uh, but I did think that they ran a little longer than they could have been, and that was my feedback to uh, to, the, to the developers when I finished the demo. There haven't played the second demo. I, I'm feeling like I've got enough in the gaming corner of my life to wait for the proper release. But you can count on uh, Nate and I getting some content in about the Triangle Strategy after it comes out. As you know by now, this podcast is about the storytelling and gameplay of popular niche RPGs. And Triangle Strategy looks like it has both of those in spades. So count on more content from us about Triangle Strategy into the in the future. Definitely. And this, uh, as a last point, I will point out that a Nintendo Direct disappointment of mine was that, again, my hopes for a Final Fantasy Tactics remaster or a Tactics Ogre remaster have been dashed because both of those games were on a console and a handheld, and they are the perfect Switch game. But with that said, I understand that this Direct was already loaded with tactical oh. strategy games. So Nathan, maybe the Miracles yeah. happen, man. Miracles yeah. happen in Nintendo Directs. Yeah, well, this this Direct was already loaded with these, so uh, I, I'm okay with them not announcing or releasing them in the face of triangle strategy coming out they don't Mm want to oversaturate their library so i'm still going to hold out hope that they're coming someday all right getting back into the featured list with that after that little detour we have some cuphead dlc i've not played cuphead it looks like lots of fun i maybe should play it but it's just one of those things that it with uh, my schedule it has not found its way in but i have heard a lot of great things about that game i have it i've played it i have not finished it i'm probably only like a third of the way through it it is hard as nails nate you will you will bash your head against the brick wall until one of until your skull or that brick wall breaks um and that's it's so it's kind of it's just kind of like that most of the levels are boss battles Mm-hmm. The animation is great. Looks like the, uh, Netflix has a actual animated series coming out for Cuphead, and so that's pretty neat as well. It's funny how um, this the, this the studio and its and the animators therein have kind of retroactively installed themselves on TV. First by doing this this period piece video game that's a faithful reflection of the uh, animation style of yesteryear and now they're actually not now they're so popular now they have such such gravity that we're seeing them on netflix we'll see how good it is because there's no telling right now but but hey that's that's a pretty neat thing for that franchise definitely i like i think they should be doing more stuff like that across all games like 
get it out into the stratosphere and let people see what it's about instead of just adding your characters to Fortnite, <laughs> in my <laughs> opinion. Uh, so then next we have Metroid Dread is receiving some additional difficulty modes. Nothing too huge for me, but I played Metroid Dread and I thought it was great. By the end of it, I was feeling like it was a little bit of a retread of past Metroids with just some extra elements thrown in, but the initial, I'd say 75% of the beginning chapters were uh, really compelling, and I had a great time. I don't have this game, but Nate, I need to ask you. Um, my my turnoff for two-dimensional Metroid games is, are they going to make me check every pixel of every room for secrets? It gets better in Dread. There are means by which you are informed that you have not acquired everything. So I did uh, 100% Dread with fairly little complication. Next we have Klonoa. I've never played Klonoa. It's apparently a remaster of sorts. It looks beautiful. Not particularly interested but again, that might change. I don't remember this one. You don't remember? No. What was was Klonoa about? I think it's a kind of a Mario 3D platformer type oh. game. Again, this might be something that does enter my my peripheral uh-huh. with children in the mix in the future. Same for you, but mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see in a few years or so. Noah. Next, there's Star Wars: The Force Unleashed from being canon. Oh man! <laughs> this is. I don't. I don't know why this game is here. It's apparently a port of the Wii version of the game not the ps3 or xbox 360 versions of the game but this is a crazy bombastic game where you are a pupil of darth vader's and you are just i don't know the 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 whole idea of the force unleashed and then there's another title the force awakens and the people with who the force awakens for are weaker than the guy from 20 years ago who the force was unleashed it's just it's too much for me i'm kind of over star wars extended canon completely they they keep trying to make new entries new entries like jedi something i don't know i i like star wars but it's there's jedi too much Academy? It's, it's saturated i don't know fallen order jedi knight fallen order is that it i don't know i don't know they just they make too much star wars content and i'm oversaturated and we can talk about that in another episode was this the first Star Wars game where you were deeply invested into the dark side from beginning to end of the game? Because there might be some sort of gravity in the fan base for having a game that was just dedicated to that. I think, well, that's the thing, though, is he eventually becomes a good guy. So, no, not even this game <laughs> fulfills that fantasy. I don't I don't think I don't know. I watched my roommates play it back in the day. Even then, I was oversaturated with Star Wars. And the quality level was just all over the board, so you couldn't just go pick up a Star Wars game and trust that it was going to be good. So There's a Star Wars Overwatch-style game coming out, too. Mm. We also have No Man's Sky on Switch. Yeah. I, I passed over it with all the drama of the game being fairly empty on launch. I was pumped for it because it was, I think, a PS4 launch announcement it came they they announced it kind of right along that time and then it spent forever to come out and then it was kind of not all that good they've been making tons and tons of updates over the years where i hear on the internet that it's good now but i guess it just lost the hook for me the youtube channel folding ideas did maybe 20 minutes on how he appreciated the sense of being alone in public 
in No Man's Sky, mm. and I love I, I love Dan Olson. He's such a great, oh, such an intelligent, thoughtful dude that knows how to take a topic and unpack its cultural relevance. And after listening to him talk about that, I do have an appetite to check out No Man's Sky. But I'm kind of intimidated in recent years by by big open world games like there's so much to explore there's so much to unpack there's all these puzzles there's all these systems and progression uh, uh ability points to spend correctly that i just i kind of get intimidated and i get and i become more appealed to these more to a game that's a little more constrained which sounds silly but but it's kind of been the position i've been in lately you're drowning in opportunity yeah sometimes yeah all right, we have Front Mission Remakes for Switch. They're doing one and two eventually. These are Square, originally Squaresoft, PS1 era games that uh, was being brought with modern day upgrades. It's another tactical RPG of sorts, but this time with mechs, with giant robots that you equip parts and gear and customize them i think that's a great idea i might be interested in checking this out i never got a chance to as a kid the recent um playstation one classic that you hacked for me tyler has a couple of these entries on there i don't know that we put all of them on there though because there were some that were ranging in like the the file was like two gigabytes or something crazy like that Mm -hmm. so i think we just put one on there and it was fun i didn't have before i moved i didn't have a chance to get as much done on that game as i wanted to i played front mission 3 i didn't buy it it was a i had a front mission 3 demo that came along with some other game and i'm trying to remember what it was was it parasite eve was it saga frontier it was one of those it was some ps1 game that i had alongside it parasite eve sounds right because that had a double disc uh case where they could put a little demo disc on there. Post-production Tyler here. The demo for Front Mission 3 was part of the Squaresoft 2000 Collector's CD Volume 3, which came with Vagrant Story for the original PlayStation. Included in this CD were playable demos of Threads of Fate and Chocobo Racing in addition to Front Mission 3, plus preview movies of Legend of Mana, Chrono Cross, Saga Frontier 2, and Chocobo Dungeon 2. Now, Parasite Eve did come with a demo disc, although a different one. That one was the 1998 Collector's CD Volume 1, which included a playable demo of Xenogears plus movies for Bushido Blade 2, Brave Fencer Musashi, and Final Fantasy VIII. Sounds good. And we've also got a Disney racer. I don't know that there's much more to say about that. Don't you want to be Elsa driving a golf cart? (laughs) No. Oh, oh, okay. I, I've, I feel I feel like if we get into this space, it's just going to be Mario Kart anyway. If I'm going to play a kart racer with my kid, I'm just going to boot up Mario Kart. Yeah, well, maybe they've got some clever ideas. We'll they see. Hope, they hope so. I mean, you you wouldn't you wouldn't issue a meta franchise racer like that without introducing new ideas. If you did, sure. shame on you. But if you're Disney, you probably have some clever people behind the, behind the scenes figuring this out that's true all right and then next we i think we both texted each other in all caps when this was revealed we, uh, we the, texted each other in all caps the same freaking thing yes <laughs> uh so chrono cross hd remaster oh shit yeah yeah this is 
I was pleasantly surprised for this one. So with the Chrono Cross Radical Dreams Edition, they have a few upgrades that we're able to enjoy. There is This is posted on Square Enix's Twitter. They are listing the ability to change game speeds, the ability to turn random battles off, an auto battle mode and battle boosts, a new soundtrack refined by Yasunori Mitsuda himself, and updated illustrations and improved character models. So uh, that's a particular note to me. It looks like the character models have all received uh, HD up reses, texture up reses, etc., while the backgrounds are using some sort of computer AI upscaling process. You'll probably see some janky little blended edges on certain things but they also I, I saw in another post somebody saying that it comes with the ability to turn off the uprest backgrounds there might be some jarring contrast between the models and the background in that case but i'm not one of the people that nitpicks at that stuff because i'm just glad that i have the ability to play it on a modern platform with some modern conveniences i'm pumped about this uh, i think i'll get it Oh man, Chrono Cross Remaster. Oh, and Radical Dreamers. Now, uh, if we don't already know, um, Chrono Cross is a sequel or adjacent quill to Chrono Trigger. Um, and we should all know quite a bit about Chrono Trigger, but even Chrono Trigger um, has its roots in this choose your own adventure video game called Radical Dreamers. And it includes and it features um, characters from Chrono Cross. Kid is a principal character in Radical Dreamers. And and there's another character that people say could be Magus, but they also say it could be Guile from Chrono Cross. Mm. Not from Chrono... Not from Street Fighter, but from Chrono Cross. There's a magician guy called Guile in Chrono Cross. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of moments in Chrono Cross where people like to say, is this really this? You know, uh, I, to me personally... I feel like 90% of Chrono Cross is just a new original game. So you saying adjacent Quill is right. It's at the like last 10% of the game that they try and make some ties into the uh, ancient races and a character and not, I don't want to spoil anything. So that's, that's what I'll say. They mm -hmm. tie it into trigger uh, to somewhat satisfaction they try, they tie it into trigger to a somewhat satisfying degree so i think this game stands alone as a magnificent entry one of the things i'll be most looking forward to is to see if the pace of combat is improved upon because the frame rate on the old one was atrocious and then the amount of time that the animations took all of that i might be completely fine with an auto battle mode in this case because a lot of those random battles were so simple you didn't need a ton of setup and it was just the aspect of getting into the fight watching the intro animations watching the people wind up getting those cuts in you know it it, it just took a lot yeah that, that that's probably my only cr critique of the game is if they can increase the pace up a little bit i will be ecstatic to explore some of these fantastic worlds and hop back back and forth between dimensions all of the lovely little nuances of the game 
I find it challenging to connect with a playable character cast of 40, 45 folks, but that's not something that's going to change. It's just too integral to the Chrono Cross experience, but that's how it is. It's a, it's a very good game. The plot is confusing. There's a huge cast of characters and lots of fun side quests and interesting moments. It was the end of the PlayStation 1's life cycle, so I think they were just throwing the kitchen sink in there, and they pulled it off for the most part. All right, so I'm going to run through a few entries here. We, we've got baseball. <laughs> I don't there's think we need to say anything. game coming out, you guys. Yeah. There's baseball. Tycho Drum. <laughs> yeah. No, baseball. There's Tycho Drummer. Uh, that's It's cool. I like it. But I don't know that we need to say a whole lot about it. There's Portal. We all know Portal, right? Portal on Switch. That's cool. That is cool. I'm looking forward to playing this game with my wife. It seems the right, like the kind of pacing and gameplay that she can get along with and there's there's a trailer of a bunch of random stuff i can't even make sense of is there a lego smash brothers game coming out i don't know why not yeah disney racer lego smash marvel marvel splatoon. something yeah it's splatoon it's it's all kind of a big uh you know the kids love it makes the big bucks so but uh the there's a couple more entries we need to talk about there's Live Alive? Is that how you say it? Is it Live Alive? Live Alive? I'm not live super alive. sure. Uh, I think Live Alive is a kind of a clever way to enunciate it because it has a sort of philosophy built into it. Like, if you're going to live, live alive. Yes. Are you still well, with I'm, me, bro? Live yeah. alive. Uh, but unfortunately, the Nintendo announcer has confirmed that it is live alive which i'm not as ecstatic about it sounds a little dumb but then hey it's a square enix uh game title so what are you gonna do this is another of their uh kind of 2.5d remasters where they take an old game or or they make a game in an older style and they put it on more of an isometric view um and give it some of those refreshes and updates without compromising the spirit of the original game. It never came to the West before. This game has Yoko Shimomura as the composer and also involved in the scenario, so that's pretty cool. It features several characters across different periods of time engaging in personal stories of growth. It kind of made me think a little bit of Saga Frontier in that regard, and yeah. when it makes me think of Octopath Traveler as well, so maybe both of those games, which came out well after the original Live Alive in 1994, those were inspired by this one. We might be hearkening back to the original inspiration for the split cast multi-story adventure here. It looks pretty neat. It is a full-priced game. I think it's mark. It's going to be on sale for fifty or sixty, and so. I do raise an eyebrow at that, but hey, you know, I guess there's a lot of production that goes into remaking a game into 2.5D. Looking forward, you know what? I think the best part about this is that Square Enix is really, is 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 doing more with this HD 2D um, technology. And I read recently on the internet that they're mulling doing more HD 2D uh, remakes of popular Square Enix uh, titles. So you might say, 
one of the reasons that we're not seeing Chrono Trigger yet on the Switch is there could be an HD 2D remake of Chrono effing Trigger in our future. That would be amazing. The one thing about the the series uh, of games, it's it's present in Octopath, it's present in Triangle Strategy. I haven't looked into some of the footage of Live Alive enough to make the same assessment, but if you play that Triangle Strategy demo, you'll notice that all of the colors, the contrast is blown out and the saturation is obliterated, like it's gone. <laughs> Everything is so desaturated. There is a vignette on the edge of the screen, darkening it, and then every character of interest has a massive pool of ambient inclusion under them to where everything looks muddy and blurry and gross to me. Maybe I should have mentioned this in the triangle strategy assessment, but to me as a UI designer, graphic designer, visual person, painter, it's the Octopath Traveler was an ugly game for me. And it, it kind of pushed me away from really getting into it. I, I know people who have played it and I've seen a lot of it to know that it is a good game and I kind of want to play it. But my initial impression was that it, it the, the 2.5 D style left me feeling a little gross actually. So if Chrono Trigger does get touched by this magical hand of remaster, I hope it, retains the vibrancy and uh pop of that world yeah you're right triangle strategy does have this distract distressed look to it um i didn't feel the same way you did about um octopath traveler and that it was an ugly uh ugly looking game um uh, but hey you know this could be a work in progress and chrono trigger is a very vibrant game i mean the the colors of the, of the millennial fair are very bright um guardia forest on um, guardia castle now the, the and and a lot of these places are going to need, you know, their saturation or, or their lack of saturation. Is it saturation or not saturation? They need color. Yeah, the Triangle Strategy feels like a desaturated game. Chrono Trigger is a very bright and vibrant game. It, it almost, Chrono Trigger has a lot of serious and contemplative themes, but it almost comes off as like just a, a playful romp with how joyous all of the designs are there even when you go to the apocalyptic future you meet cute robots and you <laughs> go to some of these locations that it's just like yeah this is dingy and horrible looking but it also has a lot of charm so i'm still digging it i'm still feeling positive right now i'm not feeling the weight of the apocalypse so much so i don't know that's that's something i love about chrono trigger it always has that optimism built into its design in every aspect so live alive we're interested we'll probably end up checking it out hope again hopefully there's a demo we can get a feel for it before we spend that 60 dollars. but that's cool lastly the announcement that tyler was personally waiting for holy smokes. uh he, he you received you were following tweets of a certain individual. Do you want to go into that before we mention this one? Yeah, I'll go into that. Uh, leading up to this Nintendo Direct, the Twitter account of Shigesato Itoi, um, who is the mastermind of the Mother series, was retweeting the Direct and saying, and, and including some cryptic language uh, about it, something about Snowfall. I, I, I don't know how to equate the Mother series to Snowfall, but it was enough to cause a frenzy. And then later on in the day, uh, before the Direct, 
fact, he posted a picture of three images of the planet. And if you, and people that know enough about the Earth, the Mother series, which includes Earthbound, or if you play Smash Brothers, you know that Lucas and, and Ness's icon is a planet. And so people were saying, oh my goodness, is there going to be a a mother related announcement for the for the switch and indeed there was um earthbound is now included for free on the super nintendo game library when you when you get that other uh, special upgraded plan and so too is earthbound beginnings aka uh, mother for the japanese release uh, that will be included in the regular nintendo uh, library and that's really exciting to me because the mother series is very close and dear to my heart if you've been listening to this podcast uh, you probably have gathered that by now and i was i was super excited about it um if they didn't announce anything for the mother series those tweets would have been a master class in trolling but one thing we didn't see that fans were really looking for forward to is perhaps a release of mother three um earthbound has a sequel or an adjacent quill since that's a vocabulary word now um that uh that never released in the west it came out in, two, uh, in it came out in 2008 for the game boy advance and then fans translated it um a handful of years later to english which you can patch when you if you get a rom through scandalous uh, avenues and and you can play it through there but there is no official release and so we were hoping that we might see uh, mother three but that did not happen um but you know what uh so so I'm, so I'm a little disappointed in that but i'm pretty freaking thrilled that um i've got earthbound on the go now and i've been playing through um earthbound beginnings as well i've got some ideas for a side quest uh for this podcast for it as i uh, once i finish it and you'll learn more about that later but my goodness when the when this announcement came out i i am not ashamed to say that i cried (laughs) (laughs) that's that's awesome i i feel that i understand that uh tyler if i want to jump into the mother verse should i play earthbound beginnings or should i just play earthbound do not play earthbound beginnings it is a hard as nail super grindy regular nintendo rpg like most rpgs are or maybe even all rpgs are for the regular nintendo um it is difficult to get into when you are waylaid by battles every couple of units of overworld and I don't recommend it. Go straight into Earthbound. It is a an upgrade. It is it, it is it is very similar in style. The, the protagonists look very similar. Um, the the battling is similar, although I would say upgraded. And um, I, I would say Earthbound Beginnings is is a is an acquired taste. And and you and if you weren't already a a fan of the series you may not find it very palatable uh today in 2022 so so quick tangent with that then i'm going to mention metal gear solid right when metal gear solid came out it was the third game in the metal gear series but it was also kind of a repackaging of a lot of the moments of metal gears one and two to bring those moments into the modern era because not as many people played the original first two games and this game was going to be a huge multi-million seller hit on the playstation which was rocking sales charts at the time so when metal gear solid came out it featured a lot of things to the point where 
it was like a soft reboot, but not really a reboot. It was presented in a way that you could start with that game and never need to play the first two. All the information you needed to to feel engrossed in the world was there right at your fingertips in that third game. So when I was looking at the trailer for Earthbound Beginnings, I was seeing a lot of scenes that looked familiar. I was seeing a familiar hero. I was seeing like a, a club with musicians in it. Just a lot of things that made me think to myself, was Mother 2 kind of a generational update repackaging of the first game to the point where I might not ever need to play the first game for all of the series' deep lore? I think you could make that argument. Uh, a a hardcore super fan would m- might take offense to that, but I am a hardcore super fan. But I'm not like I haven't abandoned critical thinking either. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I would say that for someone looking at it from the outside who doesn't have the same sort of enthusiasm, salivation uh, for Earthbound and its adjacent properties, um, I think that's I think that's a acceptable position to take. Okay. Now, in updating, playing it on the Switch, you're an Earthbound speedrunner, and there's you and dozens or hundreds of other Earthbound speedrunners out there. You're not just fighting against the game. You're fighting against the technology of what you're playing on, the way in which you're interfacing with it, which would be a Super Nintendo controller, or I don't know if keyboards and you know custom controllers are allowed to gain that edge within the the earthbound speedrunning space i don't know those details i'm i'm wondering for you is playing it on the switch beneficial are you excited for trying some of these runs on the switch version instead is the muscle memory of not having that snes controller in your hand going to be an issue what are your thoughts on that that's a really good question. So there, there are two, there are two categories in which I can answer that. There is the way in which the software is improved or not on this new platform, and then there's the way in which a human being interacts with the controller. About the controller, um, I've noticed that the D-pad on a Super Nintendo it is a cross, right? And mm-hmm. and but the quote unquote D-pad on a switch are four buttons in cross formation and so the way in which i path around the overworld in which i'm stutter stepping where i'm like rapidly pushing a button as a means to manipulate um other enemies uh movement on the overworld um that's a little different because the button response is different um another another difference in interacting with the controller is the left trigger button okay so to explain this i need to explain something else so earthbound can be played entirely with your left hand where the left trigger is confirmation and select is cancel and then of course you have the directional pad too and when you're mashing through text where you're just like rapidly pushing the the confirmation button um you're you're either hitting the a button on the right side or the left trigger on the other side and i use the left trigger because my right thumb gets a lot of gets quite a workout when i'm doing a speed run anyways and that button's responsiveness between the Super Nintendo controller and the Switch controller is different as well. The Switch one is louder. Like I can hear a spring making a sound, like pushing back against the pressure I'm on. Um, when I only hear like a regular sort of plastic clacking when I'm doing the the Super Nintendo one. And so th- those are the major differences. Uh, there's also that there's a joystick that the Switch has that the Super Nintendo doesn't. Um, I try not to use it because you can't stutter step when you're using a joystick. 
Now about the okay. software, the software side, I do I did notice that it loads marginally faster, and that and that movement is marginally more responsive, but not by much. And those marginal differences are not negligible in a speedrunning community. And so what I'm gonna so what I expect to see from the Earthbound speedrunners is to create new categories on speedrun.org, or I think it's .org. To wrap that all up, are you excited to play it on Switch? I am. I am excited to play it on Switch. I think it makes it. It's easier um, to boot up on on the Switch because I can take it on the go. I don't have Earthbound on the go. You could set yourself the goal of if you have a let's say a four hour flight, can I beat the game before <laughs> my flight is over? That's a yeah. That 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 would be a neat thing. The lady sitting <laughs> next to you is watching you just furiously tapping buttons for four hours straight. <laughs> It's it's probably really funny to watch me watch me do in person. So Tyler, I have one last question about yeah. Earthbound here. Uh, I I played enough of Earthbound the original to know that there's some humorous yet serious themes in there. One was a bunch of po- people joining a cult, oh, yeah. seemingly halfway through the game. Is there some sort of I don't know how to phrase this. I guess the best way I could say is like mature or offensive content within the confines of Mother 3 that keeps it off Western Nintendo shores. Because let's say the game has an outward appearance of being for children and having childlike characters and cutesy content, yet when you dive deep into it there's something serious and nintendo doesn't want to be associated with that for its western audiences it wants to keep its disney-like veneer so to speak what a good question nate that's that there are a couple things i can think of there is a there are five or six characters in the game that are transgendered or they i should say they present themselves as transgendered they have mannish features and they're dolled up in in extremely colorful makeup and wigs and dresses um Mm. they are magical creatures they aren't actually humans they aren't actually um transsexuals or transvestite and someone could make the argument that the way they're presented is offensive i don't i don't think they were especially offensive to the community but i don't represent the community so there's one Mm. thing i can picture the okay. second, the second I can picture is that one of the main villains is is especially Arabic. He's mm. a he's a peddler. He's um, he he's he's ab- he's absolutely a Middle Eastern looking. He presents as a Middle Eastern man, and he's villainous and twisted and and abusive to an animal that you become very fond of. Mm. and i can and i don't think the abuse would be enough to like steer away from a western release but i think the western audience's perception of middle eastern folk especially maybe not nowadays but in in you know decades prior um were not super keen on observing that's not a reason to rule out an entire ethnicity from being an npc of any morality in a video game but i can imagine that being part of the conversation too i don't think anything is especially offensive but people can build an argument to be offended about it and that could be reason enough for nintendo to recoil at a western release definitely i i think i know you well enough to say that you and i are in the space of 
we are fairly progressive thinkers. We support anyone being what they want to be, and we hold no animosity towards peoples of any cultures or whatever. So it's not that we personally would find any of this offensive. It's We're talking about Nintendo trying to maintain its child-centric uh, market, you know, and, and what they may see as problematic in that regard. I think that that's all the questions I had for Earthbound. Uh, do you do you think that what's what's your percentage chance that we will ever see Mother Three, maybe even in an edited or censored version? The fan base is not that huge, but they're very loud, and most of the time, people have just just wonderful things to say about the game um I, I i can't imagine especially critical review that i've seen um a lot of people say it's a huge improvement on earthbound because earthbound's um earthbound isn't as much as i love it earthbound does not really have a plot it is a it is a vignette it is a series of vignettes that establish an emotional connection to the player mother three does have a plot with very powerful plot points and twists and shocking turns of events that make for a very, very good plot. Something that Earthbound is kind of lacking, although people will argue that Earthbound does have a plot. It has plot mm -hmm. points, but it's not a contiguous story. Stop kidding yourself. And this is coming from a super fan. Um, <laughs> I understand that. And playing through the segments that I did, it seems like a, a collection of the writer. I, like you said, he was trolling on Twitter a little bit, the creator. I feel like this game is a little bit of him having fun with the medium of creating a role-playing game in and of itself. A little bit postmodern, self-aware fun in that space. Mm -hmm. My take on it is like, let's say, let's say you're in third grade and it's recess and you're hanging out with your buddies and you're just you're imagining all together and you're throwing all this silly stuff together and you're creating a reality out of this childhood logic that doesn't hold up in reality but in in the space that you've created for this for these characters and these events they do hold up i believe earthbound kind of is an extension of that it's it's kind of it's children at the playground smashing toys together and coming up with something absurd and it doesn't matter that it makes sense it just matters that it feels fun i like that so i think we've covered every game in our list now and that should be it for the nintendo hype train 2022 do you have anything else you'd like to say, Tyler? Great Direct. Let's see another Great Direct in a handful of months with even more super-duper RPG uh, releases coming out. All right, so that is our list of hype train games for Nintendo Switch in 2022. Uh, the list comprises several that we are not hyped about whatsoever, and then a few little nuggets that we were over the moon about. And I'm frankly excited to dive into some of these. We may talk about some of them here on the podcast. We may not talk about some of them here on the podcast, depending on how things look. Bowser, give us Mother 3. Yeah, give us Mother 3. 
I understand that everybody loves Xenoblade these days. That's cool. We're excited to see it. We'll see how that pans out. But the classics are good, too. Maybe, Tyler, how would you feel about Mother 3 getting the 2.5D treatment? That's probably blasphemous, isn't it? That sounds... It's gotta be... It can't happen, because in order to greenlight a project like that, it has to be a centerpiece title. And that's why it's going to be something like Chrono Trigger and not something like Mother 3. So I think we've covered everything we want to say about that. We look forward to the next Nintendo Direct, what little nuggets they're going to have for us, what big announcements they're going to have for us. And we're excited to keep this train rolling. Mm -hmm. And we're excited to hear about Nintendo uh, updating its uh, content migration policy too. Exactly. Well, I'm Nate, and uh, you're Tyler. Oh, yeah. And we are the Hero with a Thousand Potions podcast. This has been a side quest. Maybe it's been a quick time event, because it just popped onto our radar, and we had to hit the button real fast. I'm in the position of I need to hide my Nintendo Switch because it used to be prominently displayed in our entertainment system. And my toddler loves just running straight up to those bright green or bright red and blue controllers and just yanking that entire thing right out of the dock and shaking it. (laughs) And so I'm now in the position where the Nintendo Switch is hidden in the back of the entertainment system behind a piece of cardboard that I cut the specific size. And uh, then the, also the game case, uh, the, the, okay, never mind. Just cut, cut the whole cardboard thing. Yeah. um, We we haven't engaged with any of any of these weapon bays yet. These, Mm. these, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I'm going to save that whole conversation for later. Next, there is Star Wars The Force. Force? So with the Chrono Crass... Crap. Fuck. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs>